I want to like this episode. I do. But I don't. This one is definitely going on the skip list. Pretty far down the skip list, too. And that makes me sad. This, uh, you're probably thinking, why? Why do you want to like this? Well, okay, first of all, that's a dumb question. I want to like every piece of fiction I digest. That's just, you know, how I think in general. I don't enjoy not enjoying episodes. I know that seems to be the default status for a lot of people on, you know, the internet or YouTube in general, but believe it or not, I'm not really down for the idea of being like, this episode sucks and enjoying the fact that it sucks. Now, don't mistake me. Sometimes you look at a bad episode and you can dissect it, and there could be value in that. There is value in learning from the bad, after all. But that doesn't change the fact that I don't really enjoy a bad episode. Which brings me to my point. Why do I want to enjoy this so much, other than the default answer? Herb Kenwith directed this episode. This episode was also written by Sherry Lewis and Jeremy something. doesn't actually matter. And I can't read my own handwriting. And... Treacher? Cratcher? Jarcher? God. Now, you're probably thinking, why are you even bringing that up, Lore? Well, Mr. Tarcher, no wonder I didn't know that name, Jeremy Tarcher and Shari Lewis, well, they're a married couple. That's You can tell because their names are totally separate. You think that I'm joking, but that's actually kind of a Hollywood standard. No, the point is, Herb Lew both all of these people wanted to make an episode of Trek. That's the catch. Uh, this is basically a fan episode. This was done by a director who just really wanted to direct Trek. He was actually a regular director over on How's Lucy, as in Lucille Bell. And um, he was a friend of hers and specifically asked, can I please direct a Trek episode? Sherry Lewis was a big fan of the show and not only wanted to produce an episode, she actually wanted to act in it. She, wa she wrote the role of Romaine for herself. Now, this is actually kind of funny, because if you're wondering why the actual character of Romaine is so flat, it's because all of her personality was ripped out in editing, because she was just Sherry Lewis. It was self-insert fan fiction, like I said. Now, that's not necessarily a bad thing. There can be good fiction coming out of that. And if nothing else, a writer who doesn't know how to write a character writing themselves as a character is going to be better than a writer who doesn't know how to write a character writing a non-character. In short, what I'm trying to say is that it probably should have just stayed her. In fact, it probably should have been her acting it, to be completely blunt. Neither of these things happened. Oh, by the way, you're probably wondering, why do you keep bringing on about Sherry Lewis? If you don't know the name, do me a favor and go Google image search it right now. S-H-A-R-I-L-E-W-I-S. Sherry Lewis. <laughs> I'll wait. I'll wait. Go ahead and do it right now. Pull up another tab. If you're listening to the MP3 or don't care, um, lamb chops, stay along. Ba -da 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 -ba -ba -ba. Yeah, anyways. <clears throat> by the way, she wanted to do an episode so badly that she pitched this episode and it was denied by Friedberger, who said, no, we're already doing an episode like that. She was like, oh, okay. So she came up with a completely new, different episode because she really wanted to do a Trek episode. And Friedberger was like, oh, actually, that other episode got canceled, so we'll just take your first one. She was like, oh, okay. And here we are. By the way, I know I've been kind of tracking firsts and finals throughout this run. This is our final showcasing of Tellarites, of Andorians, for quite a while. And also our final appearance of Mr. Kyle by John Winston.
In fact, if I'm not mistaken, this is his only appearance in all of Season 3. So he's out of the show now. Yay. But we do have a first as well. The first introduction of Memory Alpha. It's kind of weird to say that nowadays, given modern connotations. But yeah, this is when Memory Alpha actually entered into continuity. And appropriately, for the fact that it's stated many times to be basically the equivalent of the Library of Alexandria, it gets burned in this episode, and large amounts of history are lost. So thanks for that. <laughs> uh, the episode itself... How do I even explain it? See, the problem is with a bad episode, I can look at it and say, this is what they did wrong. I did that with the Mark of Gideon, right? But with this episode, it's just... It's, it's like trying to describe wallpaper paste that is slowly sliding down the wall while it's waiting for the wallpaper to be put on it. Now, this is why I, I don't want to be so harsh. I actually have a fairly large amount of respect for Sherry Lewis, and Herb Kenwith is, by all accounts, a good director in his own medium. It's just... Now, this was heavily rewritten. I mentioned the issues with that earlier. So I can at least put some of the blame on Arthur Singer, who... Well, as I've already mentioned, had many issues with editing pretty much the moment he was brought on board until the moment he left the show, a.k.a. Turnabout Intruder. So let's see here. So it's the lieutenant's first assignment. Let me say that one more time in case you missed that. It's the lieutenant's first assignment. She, um, she's never been in space or had an assignment before. We could work around this, but this is one of those lines of dialogue that needed a little bit of polishing to make more sense, because normally that would be a cadet or an ensign or maybe even a yeoman or an enlistment or something, but no, it's a lieutenant. Sure. We also then have this weird thing where Kirk narrates about how Gaga, Scoot, Scooty, wow, Scotty is for Mira. The reason I said Scooty was because I was thinking of Dewan. See, James Doohan reportedly, I was not able to confirm this, reportedly really didn't like this episode because he just didn't buy the romance between Doohan and Mira. This is where the fan fiction thing kind of comes more obvious. Hey, Scotty is desperately in love with my character, right? And okay, yeah, I, I've, I'm, I'm going to admit it. When I was younger, I actually you know, came up with a few story ideas where <clears throat> Ensign Lore would totally end up with, you know, Dr. Crusher. Now, I'll admit it. I'll admit it. Don't look at me like that. How many of you did that, too? I never wrote anything down. I'll admit that. I never actually got into that, because everything I've written is all part of the same continuity, and I haven't written anything for Star Trek. But all of the... Uh, I'm sure several of you at least had ideas or flights of fancy, right? The thing is, this doesn't make sense for Scotty at all. He's well into his late 30s in character at this point. I mean, Kirk is 35 at this point, or 38, I think, actually. Don't quote me on that. I don't remember. They mentioned it in an earlier episode. You can't tell me that Scotty is going to be gaga over a woman. Oh, him being in love doesn't bother me, but he is portrayed as basically being a lovesick teenager in this episode. In every scene he has with her, and many scenes he doesn't. This is a, char a character who is actually has to be called to go to his freaking station by Kirk immediately after a crisis situation because he's down hanging out with his bow. I guess bow is whatever. I was going to say, isn't bow masculine? It doesn't matter. The woman he fancies. 
Also, she is, in lore, supposed to be substantially younger than him, which is funny because the actress is certainly not. I mean, she is younger than James Doohan, but not by much. So, a big focus on this episode is on a guest star acted by an actress who doesn't do a good job playing a role that is very flat, who has a bad connection with another character. There you go. There's my analysis of why this episode is bad, in a nutshell. If you want me to break that down even further, I can. Like I said, she was deliberately made to be flat, so there's no real characterization there left. If you notice, there's no character elements to her. She says lines, she exhibits emotions, but in, the, in a way that basically every human being ever would. I'm seeing visions of death causing a reaction of fear is not a character trait. That's just a normal human reaction, right? So, no characterization, and I, I do firmly blame Singer on that one, because that's where that came from. She's, uh, the entire episode is focused on her. Okay, that's not really necessarily a flaw. We've had plenty of guest star-centric episodes, and they've worked out really well on the strength of the guest stars. The woman who plays her, I didn't even write down her name, does not do a good job of playing her. Point number two. She comes across just as flat as her character is. In the interest of fairness, I'm not necessarily willing to blame the actress. After all, it takes a lot to play a flat character. Interestingly, see Darth Malak over on KOTOR 1 for a good example of a flat character who is played interestingly. That does take talent. So, I'm not necessarily blaming her, but the acting doesn't salvage it. Which brings me to point three. One of the things I've brought up many, many times, many, many times, is that, especially in a TV show, a long-standing series like Trek, you need to have connecting points between characters. And those connectors are what make them interesting. I've talked about this a lot, so I'm not going to rehash this point too hard. But if you have a connecting point, there needs to be some kind of point to the connector. It needs to be something to do with the characters, or it needs to be an interesting connection between them, right? In this case, it's wov, and I firmly call this wov, not actual love. And this wov is two kids who are who've got goo-goo eyes for each other between Scotty and her. Sure. This also leads to one other little problem. If, if I could just add one more complaint here. Scotty flat-out ignores her vision thing several times, which causes issues for the ship and delays the dilemma. Okay. Um... So, why would Scotty be so dismissive of the idea of her having very clear and exact visions of what's happening? Scotty's seen this show, right? Mental powers are so commonplace, I am astonished, no, legitimately astonished, that mental powers are not normal amongst the Federation at this point. In fact, a rewrite idea I had for Mark of Gideon, which I didn't share back in that episode, actually had to do with uh, Adana being a Federation citizen who had mental powers, who was basically lost in her own dream palace kind of a thing, and had someone had to go in and help rescue her from the, the mental health issues she was going through. Thus, McCoy is sent in. And I'm not going to tell you the whole thing. Nobody cares. Point being, she dismiss he dismisses that, and she's irritating. Not the whole episode, but there's this really frustrating bit, which is probably supposed to show how stressed she is, but instead it just makes her come across as kind of frustrating, irritating, you know? So she's frustrating instead of frustrated. Maybe that's on the actress, maybe it's on the editor, maybe it's on the script, I don't know. Either way, it doesn't endear me to a character who's supposed to be holding the episode up on her shoulders. <sighs> this then leads me to my next point. We find out that there are no shields on Memory Alpha. That is... 
So Federation. Oh, no, think about it. It's astonishingly stupid. Oh, no, we don't need defensive fortifications. Anybody can show up and... Okay, yeah, all right. How about um, solar storms or uh, asteroids or maybe there just might be tectonic shift on the planet which require you to maintain the, the sanctity of it or just general radiation debris, anything? There are so many reasons for shields and defenses to exist that have nothing to do with keeping away actual enemies that this is nonsense that's ignoring the fact that you it, it would not be that far out of bound for people to want to show up to destroy this the 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 the, the culture there to burn alexandria's library you can't tell me that there are not groups and entities within known space who would have a desire to do that for whatever reason but of course it is very federation so, why is it harder to beam her up than it was to beam her down? I, I get the idea. She's becoming partially merged with, merged with the Zetars. It's just, why? She beamed down with no issues. They didn't even mention anything. And there's our last shot of Lieutenant Kyle. See you around, Mr. Winston. You notice I just jumped forward like ten minutes in the narrative. I have so little to say about this episode. Like I said, wallpaper paste. Kirk goes way out of his way to not attack them. Okay, that's cool. Scotty uh, goes out of his way to say, don't report what's going on, because apparently he's a Benzite. I'm not going to explain that joke, but some of you will get that one. And then three separate times they have to reiterate the connection between Mira and the Zetars. This is, in my opinion, another problem with script editing, because it's been showing up all of season three. Then Trelane's mother shows up and informs us of what's going on about the Zetars because they possessed her. You notice we're now at the end of the episode. Apparently, Trelane's people had, uh, you know, they died thousands of years ago on Zetar, but now they're incorporeal and they've been searching for people to inhabit. And I want to make this clear. I've heard at least a few people say it's weird that we just straight up kill the Zetars here. But this was a kill or be killed, and also they're murderers and unrepentant murderers, so I don't really feel bad about this one. Like, these people are literally worse than the energy beings from over in... Oh, what's that TNG episode where they inhabit Data, Troy, and uh, O'Brien? Power play. Th these people, these beings are worse than them. They show up, try to merge with people, killing them in the process... And in so doing, they move on and try to find other people. And they've apparently been doing this for a thousand frickin' years, because what the heck is time scale? And now they finally found someone, and it's worth noting, they are totally cool with not cohabitating, not making a bargain, not trying to, you know, kind of do any kind of mutual cooperation thing. Instead, they are going to shove the consciousness out of the body and just claim it for their own. Yeah, so no, screw them. So naturally, they put her in the pressure tank. Okay, cool. And then they do the dumbest thing in the whole episode. They remove the gravity from the tank. Why? Now, I'll tell you why. It's because that way she could look cool as she's bobbing up and down. And I will give credit where credit is due. Especially for the time, they actually do a pretty good job with that. It's a good effect. But the problem is, they even mention in the episode doing so actually strengthens the Zetars, which makes their overall job of killing them a little bit harder. And and there's no need to inc to remove the gravity from the room, or from the pod. It accomplishes absolutely nothing in lore. 
But then they increase the pressure, which kills them. That makes perfect sense. After all, these beings are acclimated to space, where there's effectively no pressure. So the idea of them you know, being condensed into this pressured environment would actually probably cause them substantial difficulty. And naturally, since they can't go move through ships or shields or hulls on a planet, they would be confined to that pod. Right, right. I gotta admit, like I said, this is one of those episodes I didn't remember. And so the whole time I'm watching, I'm just waiting for them to be driven out, just like happened with Asterisk back in Day of the Dove. No, they just stay there. If I was to headcanon this, I'd say that was suicide. They were like, all right, you know what? We finally found someone, and they're going to kill us over it. Just let them. <laughs> just everyone, everyone, Bob, Bobina, Bobarella, everyone just, just group hug, guys. Group hug. Let's embrace the end. How many aliens who want to possess a body because they used to have a body and want and, and become enamored with the idea of physical sensation again is this at this point? I think we're up to four? I've lost track. Guys, I got nothing. This is definitely a skip episode. It's nowhere near as bad as Gideon or some of the other really direct ones. It's just... This is one of those episodes where I'm sitting here. And I'm like, okay. And I'm just waiting for a thought. I don't, I don't know if I've properly explained the process that goes into these. I, I, I obviously turn on the analytical brain, but I only latch on to things that engage it, if that makes any sense. You know, I, don't, I, I try not to do just a recitation of the show. That's more like sci-fi debris thing, where he'll actually describe the whole episode and make jokes along the way, because you know, he can do that. He's actually funny. I am not. So I don't do that. That's also not my approach. I sit here and I look for things to think about, uh, either really cool bits of acting or behind-the-scenes information or maybe something they do with the cameras need or the special effects, or maybe there's just an idea that really catches my attention. These are the worst episodes for me to ruminate on, not because they're bad, but because I have nothing to say. I have so little to say that I have the time to just sit here and explain how I have no, nothing to say. That's how little I have to say. In fact, I'm pretty sure this is not the first time I've given this speech for the TOS stuff. You'll forgive me. Obviously, these are spread out over a fairly long period of time, even from my perspective. I'm going to work on TOS for over a month at this point. So, I got nothing. Sorry, guys. I have done my best. I have fought the good fight. And I have failed. <sighs> We're getting there. We're getting there. Can I share one last thing before I cut off? One of the things in every show that I've covered is there's always a finale. And TOS is going to be the first time that that's not true. Because there is no finale to TOS. And usually there's like this build-up towards the end, right? Sometimes in character, sometimes not. TNG didn't really have a build-up. It was just cleaning house and then all good things. DS9 obviously had the, 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 the string there. Voyager had a couple of things. You know, Enterprise will have some things. We'll cover that eventually. But there's no build-up. All of these episodes are just another episode. And so even though I am approaching the end of TOS, I don't feel like it. If anything, I feel like we've already peaked. Um, now, we did have one surprise. What was that? That was, uh, was it Plato's? No, no, it was uh, Let That Be Your Last Battlefield and Enterprise Incident. Although uh, Plato's Stepchildren was a surprise, surprisingly good episode. But my point is, I feel like we've already peaked, right? I feel like we've already concluded, and this is just now 
lurching on like 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 a zombie of a franchise and it's funny that i say that because i've said this before and i will say this again getting canceled was one of the best things that could happen to trek under the available circumstances at this point in time because imagine this but worse with less budget less support a worse slot and people not giving a damn anymore they might have actually started replacing cast members if a season four actually did happen and there were some plans for a season four but obviously they never came to fruition and a lot of that would get baked into phase two which would get baked into the movies and would get baked into tng but fact remains <sighs> i don't i don't know i feel weird i see the end in sight and it doesn't feel like it you know what i mean either way we will get there when we get there ladies and gentlemen see you next time